0: Afternoon all, welcome to another episode of Pyramid Podcast with myself, Murph, Tomo and Loro. So going to have a review of the football so far this week. Start with the European Super Cup yesterday, City winning another trophy and Haaland but Ballon d'Or his or Messi's. Uh, The Lionesses are through to a World Cup final, one step further than the uh, men's team have been able to go to. So a little review of their performance yesterday. Uh, Round up of any action from Tuesday and then touch on Monday Night Football when Man United got off to a laboured start against a spirited Wolves side. Uh, We'll then look ahead to the weekend's fixtures, uh, key Premier League fixtures and sprinkle in some FPL chat. Boys, good to see you. Tomo, how are you?
1: Yeah, good, mate. Yeah, Um, good week. United got away with one. I think we can all agree on Monday. Um, But... Three points in the bag, you move on. You move on to I think Saturday, 5 30 against Tottenham. So yeah, looking forward to that.
2: Good stuff, Laurie. Yeah, another three points for over on Tuesday. And my mood's very much dependent on that at the moment. So uh yeah, I'm happy to at least until at least Saturday. And obviously we've got the Lionesses that won as well. So well done to them. Yeah,
0: indeed. We'll touch on that. Uh yeah, good to see you over winning. I'm managing to get to a few games myself at the minute. So we'll we'll have a chat about them later. Uh, boys, I must admit, I had footy last night, um, so I didn't actually get to see the European uh, Super Cup. But Tomo, City, Seville, what was the game like? Any highlights?
1: Um, Actually, he's quite impressed with Sevilla, actually. Obviously, like most City games, City had a lot of the ball, a um, couple of good chances. That, and, and Naziri seems like he always pops up with a good, good goal. He, he um, he's a bit of a demon in the air. Um, His goal was he towered over the City defence and scored a pretty good um, header. Um, The cross was from Akuna, who has been linked with a move to Aston Villa. So that's one to look out for. Um, But yeah, City, they won on penalties. Haaland was a fourth trophy in the last three months. Haaland gets his hand on the fourth trophy. Be interesting to see whether or not he gets the Ballon d'Or. We probably probably all agree that Messi will get it just for the fact that he won the World Cup. But Haaland's won four trophies. The records he and the numbers he was putting up last season was insane. Um any other sort of year you'd think he would get it, but Messi's World Cup was just I guess it was Messi's World Cup. So
2: uh, I thought the Ballon d'Or was calendar year.
1: No, they wrong been- I think I, I think they've changed they've changed it to um, single like season. August, uh,
2: yeah, oh, fair enough.
1: Um, yeah, so I think they've changed it single season. But but yeah, I, just it will be messy, won't it? Because obviously, sort of thirty four year old leading his country to the to the World Cup, the one that got the one that was slipping and by, so the storyline sort of wrote themselves, but. And actually, an interesting sort of caveat to the whole, oh, Haaland deserves the Ballon d'Or. I mean, he's played five finals if you include the Community Shield in that. Um, and he scored zero goals.
0: I was going to say that. I saw, I know you've got to take Twitter with a pinch of salt, but I saw something about like a like Erling Haaland flopped in another final like we need to start talking about this or or whatever um so yeah I was just going to ask how he actually played within himself just like a quiet game
1: yeah just the thing is though if he like let's be honest he's sort of he never he's not like a striker who completely dominates games or like with his sort of link up play and stuff like that he's he's obviously got a specific role at city where he's where he doesn't sort of get in much involved in the build up and yeah. quite often he'll he'll just like pop up one or two goals three or four goals and then you think wow he's had a brilliant game um but that obviously that's his job last night along with the community shield it was quiet um didn't do much but city won the trophy so does he really give a fuck probably yeah. not
0: no i doubt i doubt it um boys what's your thoughts on the european super cup as a trophy obviously Champs league winner versus europa league winner what what are celebrations like after like a city like jubilant like so like again I didn't watch it like when they win the pen penalty shootout is it like a, an international penalty shootout where like everyone's mobbing the keeper and it's like
1: it's a set it's a seven out of ten
0: okay so it's, it's like, like in, if you have got Community Shield bar when Arsenal win it at one end or like second round of the Carabao Cup but one end and then World Cup final at the other we're talking like seven out of ten right
1: yeah so if I I mean, Laura, I don't know if you agree with this, but like, let's be honest, right? If you get to the UEFA Super Cup, it's because you've won the Champions League or you've won the Europa League. And as a professional, those tro- you rarely win those trophies. So actually playing in a UEFA Super Cup must be a, a privilege. Um, so I've, I've never really understood the whole, oh, it's only a glorified, friendly sort of stance we have in England about those games. Um Grealish said in the aftermath in his um in his interview with TNT Sports he basically said that Pep Guardiola drilled that sort of point into him and said look you rarely play these games Man City have never ever won a UEFA Super Cup because they've never won a European trophy um so like I think it's important and obviously it's great for morale you you carry like just a similar aspect of Arsenal winning a Community Shield it's good for morale um. So yeah,
2: but Laura, what do you think? Um, the complete opposite. I, I, I <laughs> see it as like the I see it as like the community shield. Um, so flex,
1: so glorified friendly.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just like not to overthink it. Like I wasn't interested in the Super Cup at all last night. But like, I know obviously you get there if you win the Champions League or the UEFA Cup, but um, or the Europa League. Sorry, but, but no, they're the important trophies to win, aren't they? Um, and if Pep's having to motivate his side by telling him, look, you don't know, play in this kind of competition every day, then that tells you something in in itself, because he wouldn't need to say that in the Champions League final or anything like that. So um, community sh- on par with the Community Shield, obviously a bit above that, but not, not by much for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Community Shield's even at the stage now, right, where if this, you just get into it for being second place, because City win the FA Cup and League, so that is like... Mm. I also shouldn't even be there, level friendly. Um, right, boys, we'll move on from that then onto uh, another bit of success. So Lionesses through to the final of the World Cup. Um, I must admit, I've watched bits and pieces of it and then it, probably similar to a lot as the tournament's gone on, got a bit more invested in it, but I did actually have it on yesterday, was impressed, A, with the standard of the goals in the game were brilliant, um but i was impressed all round did you boys get to watch
2: it laura yeah i did um and i've watched a couple of the games i watched the nigeria game as well um i'm i'm really really impressed with that team um i think the biggest noticeable thing about them is that they've just got that winning mentality and winning edge and i think it's even more obvious because it's what we've lacked so much in the men's team for the last 20 30 years since we've been watching um you know, when they go a goal behind, they don't panic. When they had a, um, a woman sent off against Nigeria and it went to penalties, you felt they'd win. When Australia equalized yesterday, they went and scored a second and a third. And do you know what I mean? You just feel like they're going to win the games. And that's such a good trait to have it in the international team. Not something easy to do. And you know, not saying they've overcome adversity, but they've got key players out as well. The captain, Leah Williamson's not there. Frank Kirby, Beth Mee, players like this that you associate with a women's team. Um, have been missing this tournament as well. They've had people like Jill Scott and um, Ellen White retire. So those leaders have gone. So they're having to evolve and change all the time as well. So I couldn't really sing their praises high enough. And the manager's a very impressive lady as well. Always very... um, conducts herself well in interviews again. Doesn't look flustered, very calm. And, um, yeah, they've got such a good group and winning mentality there. And I don't think you can look past them for going on and doing the Euro and World Cup double come Sunday.
1: Yeah, that will be that would be great um serena Wiegmann, v- actually she's been a manager for four, in four different um major tournaments in the women's game and she's qualified for the final in every single tournament um i actually think she won the euros with the dutch was it the, with the dutch um probably uh, she
2: is dutch yeah. isn't she
1: yeah so she won the euros before she won the euros with us last was it last year or the year before and then um yeah, like I completely echo what you said about when when you watched England men's team, there's like a massive sort of sense of like jeopardy or self sabotage that you just always sort of th- like sort of think about with with the England team. Whereas with this women's team, and even they had that sort of self sabotage moment um, with the Lauren James sending off in the Nigeria game, and they just come through it. Like yeah. they just, and and I, I felt that way when I was watching the Australia game. It was like okay, um, Australia equalized with a really good goal, and obviously the home crowd get, like gets on you. But it's easy to sort of go in your shell as a as a country. The sort of you're basically the away team, um, but we just sort of just sort of like turn the screw a bit. I, I fully expect us to beat the Spanish. Have you have you? I don't know if you guys heard listened to a couple of podcasts this morning about um, the Spanish are are in a completely different situation to us where they are in like a bit of a a controversial moment with their manager where they all hate their manager. Um, They're all basically like, there's a couple of the girls, their best players who didn't go to the tournament in protest because their manager was such a a dickhead to them. and, And apparently he would do things like force the girls to um, keep their bedroom doors open until midnight um, because he, he wanted to have that much control over them. He wanted to make sure they were still in and all of this sort of stuff. And he would go through their like food shopping um, sort of lists and stuff like that. Honestly. Yeah. So it's I mean- a complete, it's a complete contrast to obviously the environment that Wiegmann has created where the girls seem to absolutely love going to represent um, England for the lionesses. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens on Sunday. I'll be watching it in Centre Parks with all of the family. We've we've had to cancel a roast dinner planned, um, which my nan wasn't too happy about, but she understands.
0: Yeah, being a being a lioness uh, at heart, I'm sure your nan will be able to uh, to accept that. Yeah, I'm actually due to go to IKEA, and my missus asked if I want to stay about and watch it so i think i've got a bit of a uh a haul pass there to miss an ikea trip so thanks to lionesses for that also just to go back to the spain manager before we move on uh that that sounds like the wrong side of uh of leadership to me that that almost gets into a bit a bit weird behavior so um as a general rule pyramid podcast um don't condone people having to leave their bedroom doors open till midnight um, I think we can all strongly say that. But no, good luck to him. And on Fiedman, the manager, uh, I see that USA are now after a new manager and uh, a, the FA have apparently launched a bit of a hands-off uh, to her. But I just wonder if she wins the Euros and then wins the World Cup with USA being such a big force in the, in the women's game, whether she then might think that's the right time to step aside. Like, does she want to then try and go through winning the Euros again? International teams tend to go in cycles, don't they? Like, feels like our men's team are at the peak of that cycle now. I wonder if she wins the World Cup, if she'll go on. But I have also seen that that someone's tipped her to be the next England men's manager after Southgate. So it'd be interesting to see how her career pans out moving forward. But yeah, good luck to the Lionesses. If any of you are listening, we're, we're fully behind you. And good luck. Um, So moving back, boys, to the day before then, Tuesday. So footy league uh, back, only match day three. um, Some sort of weird and wonderful results. I just want to touch on Derby, um, if we can. So Derby lost again, uh, I think 2-1 against Oxford. Um, They did score in the 88th minute uh, through Waghorn, who's just re-signed for them, who might be their goals. Um, But I've seen some stuff on... Twitter and the media about, you know, Paul Warren's job being on the line. Just, a hey, Laura, want to get your gauge on that. And then let's drill down into uh, management in sack races on on the second, third week of the season.
2: Um Yeah, I mean, it, we're only three games into the new season, but it's all about context and what the managers had already. And I was actually, in my head, Paul Warren went to Derby sort of halfway through last season, but he actually has been there since September. So he's had the best part of a season already, and we've spoken about it before. Time is a rare commodity in football, especially when you're a manager of a club like Derby in League One. So I'm not surprised to hear murmurs of um, or rumours about his position. Um, You can say it's only three games into the season, but upon the backdrop of last season as well, going in there September, they're missing out on the playoffs, which I don't think would have been expected considering Paul Warren's got arguably a a much smaller club in Rotherham out of that league a couple of times, probably wasn't in the plan. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if um, it does get a little bit uneasy for him then. But having said that, if I was the owner or the decision maker at Derby, I wouldn't be getting rid of him anytime soon because I don't think you're going to get many people better than him or more equipped and experienced than him. Um, to lead them out of that division. But, um, yeah, p- poorish start, but it's only three games in and Oxford are a good side. They're another heavily fancy side in League One. So maybe not time to panic, but, um, yeah, probably due a little bit of pressure unless they go on a bit of a run soon.
0: Yeah, and and Tomo, what? just drilling down, I know he's been there a year, but uh, for, for this season, um, three games into it, what's your thoughts on sort of sack races already being spoken about in, in the league at this stage?
1: Uh it's all well, obviously. It's like to caveat. It is all about context and individual context. But I don't particularly like. Imagine, imagine you've gotten six weeks or seven, eight weeks of a preseason, and then you just you sack your gaffer two weeks into the season because he's not had the best start. I'll take Loro's points on board that they missed out on the playoffs last year. Um, we obviously. Listen to, I think we all listened to that um, podcast that he did when he was Rotherham a manager. Um, I think it's called "The Moment of Truth," and um, and also he, he's an ex-Yovel player, so we've all. Well, I've got definitely got a soft spot for him. Um, he seemed like a thoroughly good bloke on that podcast, and a uh, um, so I sort of back him to get it right. But Loro is completely um, correct when he says, "Look, it's Derby, it's League One." They've got to be automatic promotion challengers, haven't they? Otherwise, otherwise they they will look to change. Um, but yeah, I do think it's too soon. They've got to give them. You've got to, you've got to give them at least sort of six games. I mean,
2: yeah. The other thing I would say is like just in Paul Warden's defence, although he's been there since last September, that would make this summer his first summer, um, and we're not at the end of the transfer window yet, and he has lost some key players. Um, obviously, David McGoldrick's gone to Nottingham where it all started for him, and they've also lost um Jason Knight to Bristol City as well. So, I still think they're they'll probably expect a few incomings there, and you can't really judge the table and um the teams in the leagues until at least 10 games, I don't think. So, um, although it's a bit of a shaky start, yeah, you're right, we've all got a bit of an affinity with Paul Warren. Um, Ex-Oval, I love that podcast he did, him and Carl Robinson. I wish they'd do another one of those. Um, seems like a good guy, good manager. He's done it before. So, yeah, um, like I said, if I was the Derby hierarchy, I wouldn't be panicking on Paul one just yet. But um, at the same time, you can understand probably a bit of impatience given the, the size of that club and where they are. Yeah, and I, I think he will
0: be given a little bit more time. But just for context, in their next five games between now and mid-September, they go to Peterborough, go to Bolton, host Portsmouth, Northampton and Fleetwood. So there's some mm. hard, hard games there. I think Bolton look like they might go on to have a really strong season. I know Forms only three games in, but they they look like they're scoring goals as well. Peterborough, obviously, a, a force that we've spoken about and Portsmouth also. So I think it could be crunch time for him over the next month. Otherwise he could uh, fall foul. Um, on that moment of truth as well, random... Uh, Random bit of trivia for you. Uh, Last season, I bumped into Carl Robinson in a McDonald's on the way home from my footy match, and he was in getting a Mackey's. He had his driver waiting in the car park. Spoke to him, said, I love the pod, asked if they'd do it again. Uh, And he said they couldn't because Sky basically kicked off uh, because of the coverage, had match day coverage in it. They have EFL rights. So basically, BBC had been told... You can't do that again. Uh, Carl went on to be sacked from Oxford. And yeah, I wish him well. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so um, boys, a little quiz for you. Uh, obviously speaking about too soon to sack a manager, what is the shortest reign that footy managers had before in the professional game? Uh, caveat, this is based off the website I went on to. It was the top 20. What's the shortest reign? Wasn't it?
1: Is it not Leroy Vecina? Yeah. How long? Oh, I don't know. But I I remember seeing that stat knocking about. But yeah, Leroy Vecina. I can't remember. Was it Torquay?
0: Yeah, it was Torquay.
1: Yeah, but I I don't know how long. A couple hours, probably. (laughs)
0: No, he didn't get that, Leroy. He got 10 minutes. So (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Leroy uh, Leroy got made manager of Torquay uh, at, say, like three o'clock. By, by time 3.10 had happened, a takeover happened and they sacked it and brought in the manager that they wanted. Uh, but Leroy did get a compensation package. So he said, nice work if you can get it. So, yeah, fair play to Leroy. Um, but, yeah, 10 minutes. So not not quite that uh, harsh for Paul Warren, but certainly needs to turn it round. Uh, boys, let's move on and talk about Monday Night Footy. Obviously, we recorded the pod just before Monday Night Football coverage. Started, uh, we spoke about Wolves losing their manager. Um, United probably looking to start strong at Old Trafford with their new signings starting, um, but didn't probably turn out how we predicted. I think we were sort of 3-0, 4 0s in the pod. Uh, Tomo, could get your opinion on United's display?
1: Um, rudderless, <laughs> piss poor. Um, just a couple of little... I mean, rules were were great on the night. They looked fitter, stronger. Um looked like they'd had like a longer and sort of more intense preseason. Um their XG was 2.49, United's was only 1.5. They had 23 shots, two United's 15, six of those on target. United only had three on target. Um Onana had a debut to remember, but almost a debut to forget at the end. Um he made he obviously made six saves, um, but w- I don't know what what minute it was ninety second, ninety third. He comes for that cross. In my opinion, absolutely no way near the ball, and took out a couple of the walls boys. Um, I was pretty bemused why it wasn't a penalty. So, and if it was a penalty, you'd expect walls to put it away, and then get a desert, at least a deserved point. But like I said at the start of the podcast. As a United fan, those are the sort of... Like, when you don't play well, um, but you get the three points, you almost sort of, like, forget the game, move on quickly. Um, so, yeah, I was um, disappointed with the performance, but obviously three points is three points. Yeah. Lauro, uh,
0: from a neutral perspective, bring you in. I'm sure, sure you uh, watched it. In fact, I know you watched it. We spoke. You spoke a bit about Rashford through the middle and his body language as well. Just your thoughts on the game and Rashford.
2: Yeah, well, I just Rashford's best position is on the left, isn't it? We don't need to go over that every single season and figure it out every single time. He said it himself, I think, in another podcast recently. He likes playing on the left. He doesn't, he gets bored up front and he doesn't know how to do the runs on the right. So, and he's their best player. So put him on the left and then go from there. Don't do it the other way around. So, yeah, ineffective Rashford. I thought Wolves are very good. Um, I was really impressed. I said before the game, I don't rate that Kunio at all, but I thought he was mightily impressive. Um, I thought Lamina had an amazing game in midfield, thought he bossed it. Um, So good on Gary O'Neill for getting, uh, Gary O'Neill for getting Wolves up for that game and getting them looking like um, a decent side. Because I think after Lopategui went, a lot of people were having them as um, quite good favourites to be right down there. And they might still be, but good start from them. Um, And yeah, uh, also definite penalty. Um, I I get the argument that sometimes goalkeepers are going to make different kinds of challenges because they can go for stuff with their hands and things can look a little bit more untidy but that was basically a double clothesline when he realised he was getting nowhere near the ball so if you're a Wolves fan you'd be I think rightfully disgruntled at the decision there but um yeah got away with one and uh, like Tigo said you want to be winning the games um, when you're not playing well because when it does click hopefully you'll go on a run then so um not impressed with Man United but a good win all the same.
1: What I will say uh, let me just jump in there, Murph, is. Um... I was actually, apart from obviously that challenge, I was actually really impressed with Onana's performance and his debut. He looked assured with his hands, which people said, or people are saying are no way near as good as De Hayes. And obviously we all know about um, and have heard about his um, passing ability, which I was impressed with. Um, The biggest issue of the game, I thought, was the midfield three of Casemiro, Bruno and Mason Mount. I thought Bruno... And Mason Mount played far too sort of their pressing was far too sort of high up the pitch, and, it, and it quite often when Wolves um, broke that press, which they pretty much did most of the time, it left Casemiro isolated. And although we we all agree Casemiro is a, good, a really good player, great leader, obviously um, he's got the men, he's got the mentality to win at the at the very top. But he's, his mobility isn't quite as good as it once was. And he basically got ran all over. Um, something for Eric Ten Hag to think about going forward, because obviously I thought we bought Mason Mount to sort of change that aspect of our game, where we had Ericsson there and he wasn't mobile alongside Casemiro. Um, I don't know what you think about that, Murph.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I thought we looked absolutely shocking, well, shocking all round, other than a select few. But in midfield, it was like it was like pathetic some of the attacks that they were going on. I mean, Martinez could have got sent off in the first half. He sort of barged Kuna on a yellow and and luckily he he didn't go down. He stayed true and, and sort of ran through. But midfield bypass there. I think there was another one in the second half where Casemiro sort of goes to shield and Kuna just drives through him and, and pass Varan as well. But I, I I don't know what the team talk was there because like you I thought Mount was coming in to add those legs that Ericsson didn't have but last year we went from you know a couple years ago we'd have McFred and we were losing every midfield battle but last year we seemed to like control games and, and lead games through midfield I mean Casemiro doesn't look like he's coming back like he was last year um, so that's one point but yeah he needs to sort something out with Mount and then watching Monday night football afterwards and Gary Neville's like, oh, we, we need Amrabat in there next to Casemiro. And I'm thinking to myself, well, hang on a minute. Mount's like 50-odd million. He was the guy to come into midfield to provide some cover for Bruno and Ericsson, you know, starting in one of those positions. If we're now saying that we need someone next to Casemiro and Bruno's club captain, is Mason Mount no longer in United's first team being our, well, one of our main acquisitions of the summer is he's suddenly a winger option where you've got... I saw Gary
2: Neville reply to someone on Twitter um saying yeah. for this weekend he'd bring McTominay in, uh, McTominay, stick him next to Casemiro, play Bruno and then put Mount on the left and Rashford up front obviously drop Gonacho, and then Mount can come in and create a box with obviously Shaw coming up the left but I think it's worrying that we're having those conversations after game one. Yeah, yeah. My,
1: predi- my predictions... um from that game will be that we'll either play Bruno or Mount from the right, actually, because Anthony looked, um, didn't look the best. Um, and especially in the big games, I think you'll play Mount or Bruno on the right, and then you'll bring in a, a McTominay type, um, whether or not he goes to West Ham and we bring in Amrabat or Anana or someone, um, maybe even uh, Kobe Mano, um once he's back from injury. But because because it did look like you can't move forward with that midfield, um, and if you think, you think United should be comfortable enough to play at Old Trafford against Wolves, a team most most sensible pundits tipped to go down given the state of affairs at that club, you'd think they'd be able to to play that midfield free, and yet it got completely picked apart. Imagine going to the Etihad and playing that midfield free. I think yeah. Casemiro is
2: the key there. I think if he has a good game, then that midfield is allowed to be better and allowed to be more effective. But when you're talking about bringing someone in alongside him, suddenly the whole dynamic of the team changes and you've got two effectively, not maybe not defensive midfielders, but running midfielders rather than dynamic midfielders. And like you say, Mason Mount goes out wide when he was brought in to be a central player. It seems like plan A is going out the window straight away. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So obviously I'm a neutral, but I'm sure you're worried. Yeah, no, it is worrying. I think
0: I just I'm going to wait a couple games and take that with a pinch of salt because, as you say, Tomo, we can't be in the situation where we're needing to play Amrabat and Casemiro at home to Wolves. You know, a Amrabat doesn't even play for Man United, but b, <laughs> <laughs> which is obviously an issue. But b, like those home games are where you have someone sitting in front of a back four, and you're 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 driving forward with the the two midfielders and your your three forward, but I, I think you're right. I think maybe Bruno will mount from the right and then maybe Sancho in playing false nine and Rashford back out on the left because Sancho played there quite a bit in pre-season. I thought he actually looked fairly sharp when he came on and we we were better when he was on the pitch. Um, Garnaccio looked terrible. Um, Where is he, the striker going to be fit?
2: Well, he's just, post-
0: weeks, he's, he's just posted today with some photo with a soon... Red devil emoji. So with him in a training top. So I'm hoping not too long. People had said initially the Arsenal game, which I think is a couple of weeks away, but uh yeah, I mean, what, what worries me for that is Martial can't stay fit. If Hodgland is injury prone or that back problem becomes the real issue, you're doing what Loro says where Rashford then has to play number nine. You're not only not playing a striker up front, you're then taking your best player out of his left wing position. So and with midfield a bit unsettled as well, that, uh yeah, that, that concerns me United, but, you know, I'm sure we might, we might speak on Monday's pod and we've just gone and won at uh, Spurs and Mount scored and was gravy. So uh let's give you it You won't be
2: winning at Spurs bit. playing like you did on Monday. Yeah. And no. what I
1: will, what I will say about Spurs is obviously they look so much more attacking under Ange. Um, they basically go for it, don't they? So, if they sort of turn it on and maybe are relatively um, ruthless in their finishing and um, stuff like that, you can you can see them going 2-0 up early doors, just running all over that midfield, just like Wolves did. The difference between Wolves and Spurs are you've got Son and Kulisevski and James Madison on the end and delivering these balls as opposed to Wolves. they got They had all of these chances and good scenarios and good situations in the game. They just couldn't finish their dinner and the worrying thing for United fan is better teams will will finish those and be more clinical and you can almost like oh god I'm dreading the day when we lose six five six nil because something like that could happen like Wolves could have won that game three four one
0: yeah Um, yeah that that's a real possibility for United this year that sort of like City 6-3, which was like a mauling until we kind of got a couple at, at the end and then Liverpool away. The way that the team set up like that, if we go to a big away ground like that, we'll get absolutely mauled. But yeah, I, to be honest, without Wolves' is finishing, if they'd have got the penalty, I'd have backed them to miss that as well. So yeah, good good win for United. Um, So from one football in juggernaut uh, to another, Loro Tuesday night, we went to Hewish Park. Uh, Saw the Glovers against Truro. Um, Massive kind of league game for us after a a loss to start, but then three points and then a midweek game. Uh, Went 1-0 down, was looking a bit sticky, but ended up getting the three points.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, that's the sort of um, moment that can be a catalyst to go on, I think. We got the three points, the monkey off our back that we hadn't won since, I think, March on the weekend. Tuesday, we went a goal down to a good Truro side, to be fair. Um, they equipped themselves well, and they were difficult to play against. But that character, when we, wouldn't play him, we weren't playing very well to get back in the game, not just to um, get a point, but to go on and win it in the last minute, and the the elation that comes with that. It's better winning the game in the last minute coming from behind than winning 1-0. Um, hopefully, I, I, I hope lead into a game that I've been hoping for since the start of the season where we go and blow someone away. Like, really, I feel like we should be doing in the National League South. Not to be disrespectful to the other teams, but, you know, we know enough about football to know that the players that we've got, the manager that we've got, and the crowds that we're getting um, should really be manifesting um, some big wins for us. So I'm, we've still got another two home games in a row, um, so hopefully that can come. But um, what did you think about Tuesday night, Murph?
0: Yeah, I, I thought Yeovil looked pretty poor to be honest I think we spoke didn't we about it that it seems like Yeovil have signed three big name sort of forwards in Reese Murphy, Jake Hyde, Frank Noble we got Jordan Maguire Drew who's obviously ex-football league and we're trying to fit all four into a uh, some form of formation Four three three would probably be the closest you could get to doing that but that means even Murphy or Hyde have to go right wing with Noble through the left but yeah I, I think I think great to win the game worrying signs with a performance, but I would like to see Cooper on Saturday um, and luckily get to go again with, with my injury um, to watch it. I'd like to see one of those front three out of the side and off the bench. Um, and I'd bring Ollie Thomaston who scored our equaliser and play him off one of the flanks or bring another midfielder in um, and put Maguire drew out wide and then just have one of Murphy and hide through the middle. But yeah, it's, it's good to see. I mean, the crowds are great, aren't they? 3,500 or just under 3,500 back at Yeovil. They're doing stuff behind the one of the stands now with live music, bars, food. It's amazing what a little bit of a TLC for a footy club can do for the fans. So yeah, long may it continue. And yeah, hopefully on Monday, we're talking about another three points for the, for the Glovers. And Tomo, your brother Jake, then I guess at Centre Park, going to have to miss a Yeovil game. He must be gutted about that.
1: Yeah, 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 you can imagine Centre Parks of the Family or Yoval, couple of pints. I think you prefer that, but um I mean it is what it is. But yeah, it is it's um exciting what's going on in Yeovil uh the last couple of months of the new owner. And obviously um we sort of Yeovil's a small town, so we sort of hear stories and stuff um about what's going on in the club. So Hopefully, yeah, hopefully it means we're gonna we're gonna get back promoted to um the National League. Yeah, good stuff. So
0: yeah, up the glovers. Boys, let's have a look ahead to weekend action then. Um focusing on the Prem. So I was unsure if we had a Friday night football that was worth uh watching. Um before we do go into the Prem, actually, that's very rude of me. There is a Friday night football that some would say is worth watching, but in the championship, Laura leads. Uh, host West Brom. Uh, thoughts on that game? I know you've had a couple players who are sort of refusing to train or saying they're out, um, but also some movement in the transfer market. Any aspirations for that game Friday, home to the Baggies?
2: No, no aspirations at all. I, I do not care about the result. I couldn't care less. I really, really like Daniel Farker. I'm right behind him. As he says, just is going to be a really, really difficult month. Um, I think by the start <laughs> of next week, we'll have the players out that we're that want to go, and I think he sort of alluded to the fact that next week, hopefully, we'll know what we can and can't do in the transfer market. I don't really, in between the lines, I don't think it's so much money for Leeds. I think it's what we're allowed to spend um, financial fair play-wise, and a lot of the players, obviously, that have gone out, have gone out on loan as well. So I don't know how that's balanced the books, but um, I'm expecting, look, I'd love us to go and beat West Brom on Friday. Um, but, like I said, August is almost a write-off. Um, and we'll be judging from September going onwards. But like I said, Daniel Farker right behind him. I think he's the best man for the job. Really, really impressive what he's, um, how he's handling himself and the situation at the moment. And um, of course, would love three points, but um, yeah, not overly confident they'll come on Friday, to be honest. Okay.
0: Well, good luck to Dirty Leeds uh, at home to West Brom. And then Tomo, Premier League, Friday night football. I know you're going to ask me. Go on. No, no, I'm not going to ask about... It. Oh, I will mention him, but I was actually going to ask you, if you were to look on Friday Night Football and be like, is there one, and think what could be the most disappointing fixture it could be, would Forest Hosts in Sheffield United be in the top three, do you think?
1: Um, yeah, you'd have to think so, wouldn't you? Um, although, obviously, that would be a good fixture for my boy, Morgan Gibbs-White, <laughs> to get a couple of FPL returns. Um, I expect... Um, for us to
2: win that, um, but I won't be watching. <laughs> Can I just say that's an absolutely massive game because when you're Sheffield United, there's only, and I know this from being a Leeds fan for the last couple of years, the first season was good, but the last couple of years were tough. You look at the fixture list and every single fixture in the Premier League is difficult. And playing Nottingham Forest, for, I mean, they're a decent side, but that's one of the easier games in Quotation marks. Do you know what I mean? That, that's one of the games where you need to be picking up points already. And Nottingham Forest, likewise, they can't be losing to Sheffield United. So, you know, I think that's an absolutely huge game. And uh, yeah, I'll be watching on the split screen with Leeds West Brom on the other side. <laughs> yeah, that's to be it. fair, Sheffield United
1: have made a couple of signings, haven't they? Um, Tom Davis has come in on a free, uh, the Everton lad. And um, obviously, ha- Haymer. Haymer. yeah, Hamer or however you say it, he's come in and obviously he'll he will add something because basically pretty much the best player in the championship last year, especially towards the end of the season. So yeah, maybe we, we talked it down a bit, but you might
0: I might I might watch it now. Yeah, they go on to be the games that are free all, don't they? But uh yeah, Sheffield United <clears throat> looked terrible at uh at Palace on the on the opening fixture. Um I thought Forrest were obviously outplayed at Arsenal, but grew into the game and nearly nicked something so I think home win for for me as well um move on to Saturday boys no lunchtime kickoff for that one that I can see but we got double bumper in the evening so we'll start at the evening actually because some big big fixtures there uh Champion City host Newcastle uh Lauro thoughts on that fixture uh result and then any FPL kind of considerations for yourself, including is Haaland captain regardless?
2: Yeah, um, generally Man City are my worst team to watch in the Premier League because like, they're so good it's boring, aren't they? But Newcastle are really, really exciting me. And I remember this fixture last year, it might have been at St James's, but early on last season, Newcastle played Man City and it was free all and everyone sort of sat up and thought, oh, they're, they're, these are a good side here. Uh, but now with Isaac firing, we've got Harvey Barnes coming in and Tanali in midfield. Newcastle look like they've improved. Um, and for me, I said this at the start of the season, I know I sort of predicted Arsenal to win the league. I know that's I'm not overly confident in that, but I think they might be able to do it this year. I'm worried about City. Um KDB's out now. You know, we know they've lost the goals of Gundogan and, and Mares already. Um, is that going to cut off Haaland's supply line? And couple that with the fact they're playing a really difficult fixture against Eddie Hells Newcastle. I'm not so sure this is one week where everyone's going to have Haaland. Or if they do, I think it's quite a good opportunity um, without the without the gift of hindsight to be able to maybe risk it and put someone like you mentioned earlier, Murph louis Diaz, or someone who's got a, a, a promising-looking fixture instead. Um, so I'm expecting a good game. Um, and I'd love to see Newcastle win.
1: Yeah, completely, yeah, completely agree. Um, obviously, City going to Greece last night, um, putting so much effort into the Super Cup. Um, and you think, like we spoke about on Monday, the sort of the fitness levels and the energy levels that that Newcastle team have, and not only the starting eleven, but you're looking at the players who are coming off the bench and making an impact. Um, they just sort of seem like a completely relentless outfit. And... The only issue is it's obviously at the Etihad, and we all know about City's record at the Etihad. Um, but I'd, I'm with you, Laura. I'd, I'd love to see Newcastle cause some issues, um, and I yeah, I do remember the Kieran Trippier free kick from last year. It was at you are right. It was at the Saint Saint James's Park, but. Um, if, if, there is a ch- if there is a time for them to get points at the Etihad, it would be this one because obviously they've had a free run at it this week, full, full week of training um, and obviously they're fucking banging form and full of confidence, so really interesting game um, hope Newcastle do it
0: Yeah, I mean, likewise we'd love Newcastle to get a result, I think that would be huge for them, I know you can't talk about a title race after two days, but you take apart Villa like you do there and then follow up winning at the Etihad. That's that's a statement, that. Uh, FPL-wise, I've actually benched both my Newcastle players, uh, put Trippy on the bench. I've got Anderson on there, who's a bit of a bench uh, player anyway, and I think I'm going to stick with captain for Haaland just because the majority will, and it's early. And if he goes and bags a brace, then it's just so frustrating. But,
2: yeah. Um, just a quick that... one on I Harlan. Just say... Yeah, oh, go, go, on, on. Boys, go on. Can I just say... New, I've just had a quick look. Newcastle, uh, nineteen to five to win that game. Now, nearly four to one sounds a lot, but that's a hell of a low price for a team going to the Etihad. And Man City are nearly evens, which must be near, must be nearly unheard of at the Etihad. So, other people obviously, I think the bookies' odds are governed by what people are betting on. People are thinking the same sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, just like I said earlier, I'll be watching that expecting something maybe unexpected Tomo I'll I'll bring you in a minute just to factor into that Laurie just thinking that through City
0: of, you know Pep did his whole thing after the game of thank you so much to the Premier League for making us play Saturday they've played last night haven't they and gone to penalties I don't know where was the game Tomo? It was in Greece Yeah so flight to Greece and back a midweek fixture there really isn't a better time for Newcastle to go there and get a result is there?
1: No, 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 I agree. Oh, yeah, I agree. I I think we're all on the same page there. What I just wanted to come in and say more on the FPL lines was I saw this week, Haaland is now over 90% owned. Um, I think makes him the highest owned player ever in FPL. Um, the whole Haaland thing, I do think he does kind of make it a 10 player game, doesn't it? Don't you think he's just a bit really captaincy is set and forget as well. Um it's a bit boring. It does make the game a slightly um sort of more challenging, I think, because it's basically a ten player game. Um, what do you think, Murph?
2: That's what I that's what I said on one of our first ever pods. I think they should make him 20 million. Do you know what I mean? If you want him, your midfield or your defence has to be absolute crap. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And just shake it right up. Um but look everyone captains Harland because obviously you don't want to risk missing the game where he scores two or three or four or five. Um but again, I don't think Newcastle's the team he's going to do that against. And, um, say he hasn't started the season in the best form, he got a brace at Burnley, but didn't look overly potent last night. And, uh, yeah, if there's a game that he's not going to score the goals in, I know I think we're bigging Newcastle up a bit too much now, but, um, Saturday could be it,
0: yeah, especially as, um, the team Fergie was most impressed with at the weekend was Aston Villa, um, so yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that, Fergie. Boys, got to move on, conscious of time. So other other big fixture uh, that day, I would say, um, is the half-five kickoff. We've already spoken about United on Monday. We spoke on Monday about Spurs on Sunday. Can I just get a quick prediction on the Spurs-United game at half-five and FPL considerations for the pair of you? Um, yeah,
1: so quickly... You can't imagine... I I predict a Spurs win, but I can't imagine Man United being as bad as that. Um, Just last season... If if last season was anything to go by, United, they were poor quite often, but invariably in the next game, they performed better. So maybe I'm talking myself into a United sort of good performance and good result. Um, Let's just call it a score draw. I I expect there to be goals.
2: Laurie? Yeah, I was going to say Desmond. Um, I, again, I agree with Tom. I don't expect United to be as bad as they were on Monday, but they're not playing Wolves. They're playing Tottenham at Tottenham um, with my man Ange at the helm. So I expect um, Tottenham to be well up for it, give a good account of themselves, but also expect United to bounce back, bounce back somewhat. So I'm going to go score draw as well, too. Yeah, I,
0: I'll just add to that that I think United won't be that bad, but I don't think we got a single win at a... Uh... A, a top recognised team in the league. I'm not, I'm not sure what that was top seven or top eight from last year. Um, we didn't get a win. I think we did draw at Spurs, but after Sancho scored and we were romping that game, but yeah, really interested to see how we do travel into a big side. Uh, if we play like we did on Monday with Kulusevski, Richarlison, Son and Madison coming at us, we'll be badly punished. So yeah, uh, Heart says United went away, but Head says we will escape with a score draw with a few hairy moments to lose it. Um, boys, then a couple of other games there. So we touched on Wolves and how bright they were. And on Monday, we spoke about the quality of Brighton. Wolves host Brighton. I think really interesting to see whether Monday was a bit of a flash in the pan from Wolves slash United terrible, or whether they actually are going to be a bit of a force under Gary O'Neill. Um, I can't call that game.
2: Laura, what's your thoughts? Um, I'm going to go Wolves. And the reason is, is Brighton always let me down. And they were one of the key reasons Leeds got relegated last season when Everton couldn't buy a point, suddenly went down to the Amex and stuffed them five nil. I think it was. Um, and I just think Wolves will be, they'll have their tails up after that Man United game. Um, touched on it before, Gary O'Neill seems to have a a way of getting these under fancy teams up for games and performing well. I'm going to go and we'll revisit this next week because I'll be interested and see how it plays out. I'm going to go 2-1 Wolves. And um, like I said, I wasn't overly impressed with Brighton on the opening day, which sounds silly because they won 4-1, but I just thought Luton were really bad. So, might be completely wrong, might be a route for Brighton, but I'm going to go Wolves.
1: Tommy? I predict it will be a tight game. Um... But I think and hope that he'll start Evan Ferguson. And I think, obviously, Estu Pinyan looked electric in the first um, game of the season. He actually had one of the highest XG, XG of all players in F- FPL, not just defenders. So, right. yeah. So, um, selfishly, purely for me, FPL, Matoma, Estu Pinyan, and Ferguson, I, I'm going to go. Um, for a Brighton win. Yeah, I'm going to have to join you
0: there. Just uh, heart overhead. I've got triple Brighton, those three players. Uh, hopefully Ferguson starts afterwards. Matoma uh, looks gravy and Pinion's probably in his last season before coming, becoming Man City, starting left-back. So, yeah, i got all three of them. So I'm going to go 3-0, Brighton, Pinion scores one, gets... The assist for the other two and he assists Matoma and Ferguson um, so yeah uh, other fixtures on Saturday boys so um, Luton were going to be hosting Burnley but obviously that game's not happening now due to the, uh, the groundwork's needed so a, uh, a much uh, needed rest for, for both sides I'd say um, Liverpool host Bournemouth um, Liverpool have gone from dicking about trying to get Lavia couldn't get that one sorted Going all in on Sasedo, couldn't get that sorted. Revisiting Lavia, couldn't get that sorted, and have now landed on 30 year old Japanese midfielder Endo, which uh, might spell end of their Champions League (laughs) hopes.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Interesting. I mean, an interesting move. He asked the club that was at Stuttgart, he was leaving to. to please accept to uh, pursue his lifelong dream. I mean, I bet he still can't believe it. But, yeah, they've got their holding midfielder. Um, I'm not sure that will matter for much against Bournemouth home. But, uh, yeah, A, thoughts on that sign-in and B, result
1: on Saturday? Um, I'm not going to claim to be an expert on um, Wataru Endo. But um, from what I've heard, he's a a fairly decent player, good pro. He's 30 years old, so... There's not much sort of improvement left in in him, I would um, suggest, but they clearly needed someone in that position. Um, So, yeah, but other than that, the one thing I'm I'm sort of thinking about in that game for me is Trent Alexander-Arnold, because if he doesn't pull up trees and look like the sort of player that I want him to be, I might get rid of him in my FPL team because he's so expensive. Um, And obviously, I don't predict Liverpool to get that many clean sheets this year um so yeah he's one i'm hoping but like la- the- in this fixture last year i think they was it nine one or eight one or maybe eight nil um it was nine nil yeah so they're nine nil and they and-, and he scored a couple got a couple of assists so actually i'm hoping for another sort of 20 point haul in which case um i'll keep him in my team but yeah he's the one I was i'm just
2: gonna say be, be wary right because last year, this fixture, it was about this time of year as well, was 9-0 Liverpool. And Salah didn't have a goal or assist. And I, I thought I was at Ant and Deck. I was in the uh, Thatcher's end watching Yeovil play, checking my phone. Obviously, Captain Salah, thinking, oh, nice little differential here. 3-0, 4-0, 5-0, 8-0, 9-0. Nothing from Salah. <laughs> right, so just be wary, thinking Bournemouth at home, it's guaranteed points. Um, and just to touch on the Endo signing, I think they're taking the absolute piss with that. <laughs> honestly I think they're taking the absolute I think they're throwing their toys out the pram and going oh we'll just sign Endo then like Merv said end of I, I honestly I think that's I think that's giving up the goat and just thinking oh we wanted we wanted Lavia, we wanted Lavia. Oh fuck it sign Endo I think the fans would be absolutely furious with that acquisition
0: yeah I I couldn't agree more Um, in, in that typical uh, FPL predicament where you want Liverpool to lose but I have got Diaz who there was a slight incline to captain to go a bit different from Harlan at Newcastle got Van Dyke as well so you know points be needed for him so hopefully 4-3 Bournemouth with um, a Van Dyke brace and Luis scoring but no I think Liverpool win that quite handsomely um, they look good going forward at, at Chelsea in spells uh, they got scary options up there so yeah fancy them to to win that quite comfortably and then final game on Saturday boys Fulham hosts uh Brentford um what would have last year probably been an FPL in a big big game with most people either having Mitro and or Tony um I don't think Eve will be playing now Tony definitely not and I believe uh I believe Mitro's getting his wish to go over to Saudi and 45 million move, go and play with Neymar and the boys. So um, yeah, thoughts on that fixture. Um, I don't know if anyone's got any players from those teams, anyone got in or anything like that.
1: From an FPL point of view, uh, the only two I would consider would be Leno in goal and um Rico Henry. Um Mbuemo obviously, is a good a good good addition. Fact that he's on penalty duty now that Tony's not there. Um, but I was re- I was actually really impressed with Rico Henry's performance against Spurs. I thought he got down the wing, bombed down. Um, he was dangerous. He looked like he can get in a sit. Like he's one. If I- if Ivan I- Tony was there, he'd be like, yeah, get Rico Henry in because every single cross to Tony would be a- be on the end of. Um, but yeah, I probably I-, I don't expect too much from that game. Probably a Fulham win. Um, I although- agree. I- go on, yeah, go on.
2: I agree. Home win. I think Fulham have got a bit of credit in the bank from the result that they got at Everton. Their season's off and running. They can just lap up the first home game of the season for themselves. And um, uh, you know Brentford again. I think they were okay, weren't they, against Spurs? But like I said, missing Tony. Drop. I think they went two one up, didn't they, against Spurs, and had to concede, go away with a point in the end. So they'll be wanting to put. Um, points on the board as quickly as possible. And again, a bit like, not so much relegation, but a bit like Sheffield United, not Nottingham Forest. These are games where you're really looking at it, mid-table clashes, thinking you want to get points. So um, maybe a bit of pressure on Brentford, but I think home win to Neil Fulham.
0: Yeah, I, I think Fulham will win that as well, actually. Um, I really, really want Raul Jimenez to score as well. I'd love him to have a good season. Um, I think he had a chance on on Saturday, but yeah, I would, I'd love him to do well. Mitro's a big loss. Be interested to see if they reinvest that money. I think if, if William hasn't gone, he's wanting to go as well um, from that side. So two big players from last year. Uh, Andreas who used to be in most FPL sides is on the bench now as well. So um, be interesting to see how that one goes, but I will go for Fulham. Uh, moving on to super Sunday quickly then boys. So starts at two o'clock Villa host Everton. Um Obviously, Villa, Villa battered on on Saturday evenings. We spoke about Fergie really impressed with them. Um, Everton should have
1: probably won. Uh, well, I wish you'd stop calling Fergie like Fergie. Call him Sir Alec. Oh, sorry, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Sir Alec. Well, he lost a bit of respect, didn't he, for that shout? He would have he's been. Not, he's late. not the Black Eyed Peas singer. <laughs> well, he, I thought it was when I saw that shout. So you know, Fergie <laughs> talked to Villa at the weekend. I thought, what's she got to say about that? You no, know, it turned out to be Sir Alex. Uh, yeah, so Villa host Everton. Everton definitely should have won at the weekend. Everton def- uh, Villa definitely shouldn't. But uh, thoughts on that one? Home win?
1: Yeah, I'll predict Villa to quickly forget about um, almost right off their last their last game. Um, I actually don't think they were as bad as sort of the 5-1 score suggests. Um, especially, I thought they were they were well in the game, basically, until Tyro Mintz went off injured. Um, and it sort of threw it, knocked them for six a little bit. Um, and with Everton, you just you just can't see them scoring ever again in the Premier League. So I predict it's a home win.
2: Yeah, the odds on that game are exactly the same as Man City, Newcastle, which is interesting. They think there's the same golf between Villa and Everton, between City and, Newca- and, uh, and Newcastle. So, I don't know, maybe maybe Sir Alex is um, is providing the odds for Aston Villa. But, um, you, uh, look, you, I think Everton, the general consensus seems to be that they played well at home um, against Fulham last week. But at the end of the day, they lost. So, home win, lots of talent in that Villa team. Good manager. Villa Park will be bouncing. I'm sure they'll want to uh, put right last weekend and 3-1. Yeah,
0: home win. Ollie Watkins to score. Everton probably have chances, won't convert one. Neil More will. Can't hit a barn door. So, yeah, uh, agree with that, chaps. Big game at half four, actually. Um, Type of game that big sides, you know, want to win and would expect to win, but often don't. Chelsea go away to West Ham. Um, People impressed with Chelsea on Sunday. At one point, you know, when Salah's goal disallowed, looked like uh, they might get routed, but grew into that game and probably should have won it. Um, They've added Saicedo into that midfield. Um, but Tom, I think some breaking news or news this afternoon about Reese
1: James. Yeah, it looks like he's going to be out injured um, for the foreseeable with a hamstring injury, which is obviously a blow. But they have got this, um, that Leon fullback, Mallow Gusto to come in. And they obviously signed him for that exact reason, because Reese James is very inj- pro- injury prone, which is unfortunate for him. Um Caiado obviously, it'd be interesting to see if he gets his debut and to see where he fits alongside Enzo. And then you've got James or Prowse will probably come in for his debut alongside Edson Alvarez. I'm not sure if he if he made his debut last week. Um, the fact that he's at West Ham makes me think they could they could get something. But Chelsea were impressive last week, so that's that's a good good game, I think. But um, I'm going to predict a one-one draw.
2: Yeah, I've got no idea really what to expect from West Ham this season. Need to see a bit more of them. Obviously got a point, I think, at Bournemouth last weekend. Um, I was impressed with Chelsea and my head says it should be an away win, but it's a big game for Jackson. He, I mean, it's all right drawing to Liverpool and missing a load of chances. You need to go and take the game away from West Ham now if you're going to be a, a starting strike and spearhead in the attack of a team like Chelsea. So big game for him. I am going to go for Chelsea. Just two one.
0: Yeah, I I'm gonna I'll I'll even it up so we got a different result for this one because we've gone the same pretty much. I'm gonna go West Ham win. Um, I I think that Chelsea are obviously still gelling, new players in, cap, new captain's going to be out. Um, War Prowse added in for West Ham. Fancy him to to do something. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go for West Ham. I'm gonna go close game, but I'm gonna go them two one. Um, but I think Jared Bowen might might score again, who might I just add, I am absolutely shocked with never seems to be linked to a transfer anywhere. I think he's brilliant. Um, mm. yeah, I'm really, really surprised that he never seems to be on he's any... at his
1: level. He's I at know. his level. Do you reckon? Yeah, I think he's a really good player, and West Ham are obviously a really good Premier League club. Um, but where where's the next step up from from West Ham that he could go. Do you think he would get into Tottenham's Spurs. team or, yeah. or Liverpool's team? I don't think he would.
2: What well, about I think, he'd, he'd be I think I'd start him over Kulaszewski. But he can't really leave West Ham, can he? Because he's basically Danny Dyer's son-in-law. So he's probably Pretty on the right contract there.
1: <laughs> I, yeah. well me personally I wouldn't start him over Kulaszewski. I think he's a good really good player, um but maybe not quite at the highest level of the Prem. But yeah. Newcastle over Almoron. No. Wow.
2: Oh, definitely definitely Newcastle over Almoron. That's a, that's a hitty... We sorry, on this podcast we do need to call out shouts like that. But I just <laughs> I think Newcastle's next signing in that position will probably be I think you've got Almoron, Bowen, next level type player and I think their next acquisition on that side will probably be up here. Um, yeah, but <laughs> that that's almost laughable tge suggestion there. of course you'd stop bowen over over round no but i didn't i didn't say
1: that i said would you spend 40 50 or 30 40 million on him which do you mean you didn't say that 30 uh, or 40 million your head and said oh,
2: no any any team yeah, he, takes him, any team in the any team take him tomorrow for 30 or 40 uh, million well all
1: right well we're not going to agree on everything lads but yeah i think bowen's at his level move on yeah all right we'll move on uh, apologies for that shout um <laughs>
0: Monday night Monday night football, again, a really intriguing game as well. Um, Palace host Arsenal. Palace look really good um, in their opening game. Arsenal, obviously, we know their quality that they've got. Uh, Palace buoyed by the fact that Elise's has just signed a new deal today, that Chelsea move not going ahead. Um, but, Laura, I know you were impressed with them uh, at the weekend. What's your thoughts on that? Do you think Arsenal too strong or maybe a bit of a Monday night special at Sellers Park?
2: Well, Skybet weren't impressed with Crystal Palace because um, they're 5-1 to one at home to beat Arsenal. And when I think of that fixture, I think of Palace beating Arsenal for some reason. I don't know if they're a bogey team, but I I, I definitely think of times in the past where Palace have done a job, you know, under the lights at Salas Park, buoyed by the news that I think Michael Elise has just signed a new contract there. Did you just say that? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean... I like Arsenal and I fancy them this season, but five to one's far too strong. Um hmm. I think Arsenal win the game, but I'll probably bet on Palace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is the problem with um gambling. But there we go.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, um with regards to Michael Elise, I don't know if you boys agree with me. Um I'm I'm pretty chuffed with the news that he's staying at Palace. Um, sort of sick and tired of the big club sort of hoarding players like that, um, where I thought obviously he would do a good job for Chelsea, um, but I don't think he would start every game in any, and he would find it tough basically to get into their starting 11 and make a real impact as opposed to obviously signing that new contract at Palace. He's now going to basically, he's one of the first names on a team sheet and he's you can see he's progressing year on year um so i'm really excited to see how good he'll be at palace and then obviously if he has another really good year this year i don't know whether they've um put another con- contract sort of release clause in his contract but if they haven't and he has a great year this year for palace you could see sort of them getting 70 80 90 million for him because he's still only yeah. 21
2: yeah i agree I, I i'm really glad he stayed at palace i like it when, like, not saying Palace are a small team, but the lesser teams in the Premier League have good players, it makes the league better. And I think we've got a little bit of an issue this year with the golf between the top and the bottom of the Prem. If you think about Man City and Arsenal and you think about Luton and Sheffield United, I'm not sure we've had a Premier League season. On paper, I know we haven't seen too much of any of them just yet, but on paper, that's probably as big a golf as we've ever had. And to keep this league competitive and the best league in the world, which it is... We need teams like Palace keeping their players like Elise. And I think probably losing Zaha to Turkey um, maybe prompted Palace to think, right, we're going to keep hold of him. And now all of a sudden, Palace have got Elise, they've got Eze, they've got that midfield we spoke about the other day, and they're a really good outfit. So very pleased he stayed there. But I'm I'm sure, like you said, I would have thought there would be a release clause in there somewhere. But at least at this moment in time, it sounds like he could have gone to Chelsea and he decided to stay at Palace, which I think is commendable.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I'm glad he stayed. I'm glad he's not joined Chelsea and sort of not been been starting every week. Uh, I mean, he might have, but that that's what tends to happen at Chelsea. Um, yeah, I fancy Palace as well, actually. I think Monday night footballs tend to have some of those things. Um, Laura, I think I looked at the head-to-head. So Arsenal did the double over them last year, but the season before that, Palace won 3-0 at home against Arsenal. Mateta IU and Zaha scored. It was an 8pm fixture, so it might have been a Monday night football. I think Conor Gallagher had a good game um, for Palace that night. So, yeah, I'm going to back them to do something on Monday night football and get a win. I think we might have a weekend where City slip up and people like, can Arsenal take advantage? I know it's so soon into the season, but then potentially them slip up as well. Um, So, yeah, that's
2: my prediction for that. I will go 2-1 Palace. uh, Can I just say, Murph... You've predicted, I think, Newcastle to get something at City, Chelsea to lose at West Ham and now Palace to beat Arsenal. So you make sure you get up. that in an act because we don't yeah. want to be looking back next week and thinking, oh, we've missed out on a life changer.
0: Yeah, well, I've heard sort of fours and five to one shouted about with some of those games. So I will be straight on to my bookmaker of choice to have a look at that. Um, boys, that's all we got time for this week. Uh, been a pleasure as always. Hour absolutely flown by. Um, we'll be back on Monday to review... Premier League, EFL, Yeovil Town, and other non league results. Um, But yeah, thanks very much, boys, and speak to you both soon. Cheers. Cheers.